0: see you here this evening. Welcome to our service. Welcome if you're joining us online to just, uh, I'm sure you've seen the slides up on the, on the wall um, for upcoming events. I just want to um, highlight them as their uh, time changes to our service. Um, so on the 24th, that's a week Thursday, we hope to have our anniversary service here with our preacher John Benton and that hopes to start at 7 o'clock, not 7.30. And then two weeks today we're hoping to have another outdoors thing and uh, hopefully down on the grass this time. And uh, that's going to uh, mean that we're going to bring the evening service forward to 6 o'clock, not half 6, 6 o'clock. Just trying to make it as easy as possible for families to stay on with us, uh, if at all possible. It's during term time. So trying to avoid it getting too late to help the families out, hopefully. Well, as we uh, often realise that all of our plans are subject to God's will. And uh, this last week we've seen world leaders get together, powerful world leaders get together, uh, but really with very limited power and ability. And we see our own leaders struggling to navigate through big decisions way beyond their wisdom quota. But listen to uh, a couple of verses from Proverbs and Psalms that tell us what it's like with the Lord when it comes to his counsel and his wisdom. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, from generation to generation. Shall we pray? Paul in Romans 11 says this, "O oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. Lord, we are lost for words, and uh, Paul uh, writes so well there of the trying to describe the greatness of your being, the expanse of your knowledge, the limitless wisdom that you have, and it is our great privilege to bow before you, the Sovereign Lord, this evening. All of our days are in your hands. Every human heart is in your hands, from the slave to the prince. You are the God whose plans come to pass. Lord, we worship you. You never change, you never need to revisit your plans or change your mind. And Lord, we feel so small and so insignificant and Lord, help us to bow in humble worship of our great God this evening. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, our first uh, hymn this evening is, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, My great Redeemer's praise, The glories of my God and King, The triumphs of his grace. Let's stand. And after this, Tom will lead us in the Bible reading.
1: The passage this evening is the letter of Philemon, uh, written by Paul. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it say nothing of your owing me, to say nothing of your owing me even at your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And may the Lord bless that passage to us as we hear Mark preach from it.
0: Thank you, Tom. Shall we pray together again? Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we now join together in prayer. Help me to pray and help each of us to be united in prayer. Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom, that you teach us how to pray and what to pray for. We want to pray in line with the will of God. We want to pray for the things that Jesus would have prayed for and we thank you that he taught us how to pray. Lord, our Father, we thank you that you are such towards us. You are our great, loving Heavenly Father and we thank you that in God we not only have uh, forgiveness but we have a welcome into the family um, of God and that we are your children. And behold, what manner of love you have showered upon us that we should be called your sons and daughters. Lord, we were far off from you. We were lost like sheep. We were dead within. And in your grace, you chose us. In your grace, you woke us up and gave us life. And we only choose you because you have first chosen us. We only love you because you have loved us with an everlasting love. And Lord, we praise you for that as your people this evening. Thanking you that in your wisdom you showed your love toward us. Lord, we, when so many uh, turn their own way and wander from you and never come into your kingdom, we're astounded at your grace which calls out people. Lord, we thank you for that. We are deeply humbled and, and upon us uh, lays that task and that privilege and that responsibility to, to love you with all of our hearts, to be fully devoted in our short lives back to you for the love that you've shown towards us. Lord, rekindle the fire within us if we are cold in our hearts, if we are bitter, if we are distant, if we are wayward, if we are disobedient. Lord, we ask that you would restore us. We ask that you would draw us back to you. We ask that you would help us to refocus where our priorities and our ambitions and our affections should be. Lord, we pray for each other and ask that you'd help us as believers to encourage each other in the walk, in the battle of the Christian life. Lord, we need each other. We cannot forever uh, sit at home and pick and choose our our sermons. We thank you for that facility that we've had to tune in during these different times, but it is no way for us to be part of God's family as time goes on, if we are able. Lord, we pray across this land that you'll wake up your people and that as soon as possible that people will see the benefit and the privilege of meeting together with God's people to worship you. Lord, we're very aware of elderly people and those with disabilities and difficulties who cannot uh, get out. And we ask that you'd help them in the path that you have given them to walk at this point. We pray that you'll encourage them. We thank you for the facility they do have to to tune in to uh, good ministry. And we ask that they'll be greatly blessed through that. But Lord, where your people meet together... We pray for a great reviving in our hearts that not only will we want to be together but that as a community we will want to share the gospel with those around us. We feel that we make such little impact on our town and we ask Lord that you will open up opportunities as we especially pray for Crowborough and our involvement. We thank you for the Sunday School and uh, for Rooted. We thank you so much for First Steps and the, the good number of parents and young children who attend there we thank you for first Tuesdays and we think too of the lighthouse group which has uh, obviously had to uh, subside at the moment and we just pray that will soon start up again we pray for the preaching of the gospel in this place and we we think uh, at this time of year of the many years that you have been faithful to this church and blessed us with faithful preachers We thank you for many who have heard the gospel here and been saved. We pray that as the gospel sound goes out in the days that we live in, in our time, in our lives, that it will come with great power and conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we we commit to you the lethargy and the self-centeredness and the self-sufficiency of living in this part of the world the deadness there is to anything spiritual, the apparent ability that we can pick and choose how we feel and what we believe, and it's okay for us. Lord, we ask that you'd wake people up. We ask, we just feel so powerless because the greatest need that people have is to see that they're sinners, sinners. The love of Jesus means nothing to people unless they know that they are at present at war with Jesus and in a dangerous position. Lord, so we pray that as we seek to faithfully preach the Gospel, that you'll be mightily at work, that the opportunities that we have in our personal witness and testimony will be greatly blessed and used by you, that you'll give us words to speak and a heart, Lord, for those who are lost. We especially pray you'd help Mark and John as they preach here regularly, and we ask that you'd equip them, bless them, and mightily use them. Lord, all of us who who serve you are, as we thought last week, are just cracked clay pots, but the great treasure, the treasure is great, and Lord, we ask that as we seek in different areas of ministry within the church, right through to showing practical love, that the great treasure that we have will be shared with others, that it will be mightily used in changing people's lives. Lord, we don't pray just for ourselves, but for the gospel wherever it is preached. We thank you for parts of the world where there are many who are turning to the Lord Jesus, where many are being saved, and we thank you for that, often in places where it is costly to follow you. Lord, give them great boldness. Give them great faith and draw near to them, we pray. that we especially pray this evening for believers in India and Nepal and places like that where there's great suffering. And them in their great suffering are showing the love of Christ in sharing the little they have. In putting to side their own poverty and inconvenience and lack of essential things to share with others and therefore sharing the love of Jesus. Lord, help them. Help them to know that you, their acts of love don't go unnoticed, but that you will be with your people. Lord, bring relief, we pray, to areas where there is such great suffering. And may the good news of the gospel bring the greatest joy and healing. Lord, we pray for James and Rachel in Cyprus. Thank you for the new students that have joined them recently we ask that they will settle in and that they will really be trained and built up in gospel truth in sound doctrine that they will be equipped for the the lives ahead of them to be useful in the parts of the world where they come from we pray that in this uh, lovely weather that we're having and yet in Cyprus it must be unbearable we ask that you give The team there and the church there, great energy and ability to keep going. May they know your strength, Lord, through these times. We pray for our own folk here. We especially pray this evening for Tim. Lord, we ask that you would help him in the great pain that he's experiencing and often has with his back. We pray for healing. Lord, we ask that you give him patience in suffering and we ask that something will be done for him to Give lasting good and relief in that situation. Pray for others who are struggling with becoming frailer in life and having to lay down different things that were so easy to do years ago. Give them great grace and patience. And may they prove that your grace is sufficient for every day. And Lord, at the other end of the scale, we pray, Lord, for uh, Joel and his wife, Joel St and for their uh, baby, Ophelia. We ask that you'd help them in that very difficult situation with her health. Comfort them and help them to adjust to this situation. We pray that in this they will see your hand at work, that it will be something that draws them close to you. We pray for Josh, thank and We ask that he will be strengthening and growing strong. Lord, all of our lives are in your hands. We are weak at best physically, mentally and spiritually and yet you have all the grace that we need and you have all the power that we need to live a godly life. So Lord, do give that to us. Renew us in your word. Strengthen us by your spirit. Help us to bear fruit even to old age that we may give glory to you. Lord, help Mark as he preaches this evening. Help us to listen And to benefit from your word, we pray. Amen. Before Mark comes to preach to us, our second hymn this evening is, Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise.
2: ago, doesn't it, when we were bringing blankets for the evening service. Uh, tonight we're looking at this letter in Philemon. Uh, this letter has been described by some people as explosive. It's been described by others as intense. Some people have said it's their favourite book in the Bible. And uh, as I've been meditating on the themes in this book this week, I understand why they may feel that. I get it. Uh, It's a short letter, a very short book in the Bible, uh, but it's punchy. I've been thinking over it uh, for the last few days now. Uh, Tonight we've only got half an hour. Uh, But my hope and my prayer is that you will get some of the blessing that I've received from it as I've been thinking about it uh, this week. If you want to see just how much the Gospel should impact our lives, and our relationships, and our culture, then the, the letter to Philemon is a good place to go. And if we're to understand what's going on in this letter, we need to make sure that we know the three main characters in this letter. So the three main uh, characters are Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. So let's start with Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Uh, He's the one who wrote this letter. He probably doesn't need much of an introduction for many of us. Uh, He wrote many letters in the the Bible um, and wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. And at this point, as he's writing this, he's quite an old man now, and he's in prison, he's in chains. And this is how he introduces himself at the start of this letter. He says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He's in prison for Jesus. He loves Jesus so much that he's willing to go to prison for him. He's not going to give up Jesus for anything because he loves Jesus so much. And we'll see why that's important as we go through the rest of the letter. So, Philemon. Well, Philemon is obviously the person that Paul is writing to. That's why it's called the letter to Philemon. He's a wealthy Christian man. Uh, he lived in a place called Colossae so you know the book of Colossians that's where it is written to, Colossae and uh, this letter tells us that Philemon became a Christian because of Paul so it's likely that he bumped into him in uh, Ephesus at some point and Philemon gave his life to Jesus uh, because of, um, of what Paul was teaching and now he's back home in Colossae And and there's a church that meets in Philemon's home. And Paul calls him a beloved fellow worker. A beloved fellow worker. There's a strong friendship there. But there's something more than friendship. They've got a partnership together. They're both working hard for the kingdom of Jesus. So they're working in partnership. They're they're looking to, to build other Christians up and grow new disciples. And, and this is exciting for Paul because Paul is, is obviously stuck in one place, especially because he's in prison, but he cannot be in more than one place at once. But around the area, there's all these different Christians and Paul's excited because they're fellow workers in, in the kingdom and in, in sharing the gospel. Now, the UK is quite a big place, as you're probably aware. And sometimes Crowborough can feel very small. But when you go on holiday, or maybe if you tune in for services elsewhere, do you ever get excited as you think about the Christians there and you think, yeah, these are, these are fellow workers. These are, these are Christians who are, are working away in their part of the UK. We're, we're working in Crowborough, They're working in their part. You think about the whole world, even bigger place. <laughs> but we know people, don't we? Papua New Guinea, uh, Romania, Philippines, Cyprus. We're we're partners with people around the world and there's all these people working hard for the kingdom of God. We've all got the same goal. Philemon was a beloved partner in the gospel and we find out quite a bit about what Philemon was like because Paul thanks God for him at the start of the letter and we see what God's doing through him. And just as a, a quick side note here, You know, it's good to encourage each other. You know, sometimes I think we can get so caught up with not wanting other people to be puffed up or big-headed that we we then don't encourage them at all. Now, obviously, uh, there's an element of wisdom needed. We don't want to just continually praise people all the time and that's all we ever say to them. We need to think how we do it, but it's healthy to encourage other people. It's a good thing. But notice that, that Paul doesn't just praise Philemon as such, but what he does is he, he thanks God for what he's doing through Philemon. Philemon, we read, is a, a man of real faith who loves Jesus and he loves the saints. You know, if we love Jesus, we too will love his people. If we really love Jesus, we will love his people. In our home group, On Thursday evening we looked at 1 Peter 4 and it's got that little phrase in it It says, love one another earnestly. Love one another earnestly. That's what we're to do as Christians and that's what Philemon did. Paul was in prison. He didn't have many comforts in prison but he did have this. He says, it gives me so much joy and comfort hearing that the hearts of the Christians there have been refreshed by you. This is what gave Paul comfort, even in a a miserable prison or in house arrest, that Philemon is a refresher. Have you ever been around Christians, uh, maybe a short while, maybe a bit longer, and when you come away from them, you, you just feel better. You feel like you've been refreshed. You feel maybe ready to tackle life again. They're like a a glass of water, a cold glass of water on a day like today. Do you know people like that? I do. They're they're refreshers. And that's what Philemon was like. He was a refresher. He he welcomed people into his house for church. He, He had a big heart. He was full of love for Jesus, full of love for the saints. And it did everyone around him good. And Paul prays for Philemon and everyone around him that Philemon comes into touch with, that all of them will understand more and more of what Jesus has done for them, the vast blessings that we have in Jesus. Now hold on to that, because that is at the heart, I think, of this letter. Understanding how blessed we are in Jesus is the reason that Paul dares ask Philemon what he's about to ask about his runaway slave called Onesimus. So, thirdly, Onesimus. So, Onesimus had been the slave of Philemon, but he had run away. Uh, we don't know all the details, but what we do know is that it was an unhappy separation. There's a hint in the letter that Onesimus uh, may have stolen from Philemon although we don't know that for sure. But even just running away, slaves in those days, if they were ever caught, and some people were uh, almost hired to, to track them down, if they were caught, um, there were severe punishments. Sometimes they'd be branded on the arm, uh, the leg, sometimes even the forehead. And it was an F, essentially, for the word fugitive, so that everyone could see they've tried to escape um, Some of them, in extreme circumstances, were even crucified, just for, just for running away. Slaves had no human rights in those days. The masters could do whatever they wanted and indeed Roman law said that they could do what they wanted to punish them. So, Onesimus is on the run from Philemon. And somehow, we're not quite sure how, it could be partly coincidence, it could be that he was seeking him out, Onesimus comes into contact with Paul. And Onesimus then becomes a Christian through Paul. So he obviously sees him in prison and he becomes a Christian because of what Paul is saying. And that's amazing. That's exciting. But it puts Paul in a a bit of a difficult and a bit of a delicate situation because he knows that the right thing to do will be to send Onesimus back to Philemon. After all, he was a slave. He shouldn't have run away. That's the right thing to do. That's the God-honouring thing to do. But he also knows that Onesimus deserves punishment for running away. So he writes this letter that we're looking at tonight and he sends it with Onesimus and a man called Tychicus to Philemon. Just imagine how Onesimus must have felt as he got nearer and nearer to Philemon's house. Imagine that moment when Philemon saw him for the first time. And they handed over the letter and Philemon started reading it. Well, as Philemon opens the letter, we come across Paul's bold request. Verses 8 to 20. Paul's bold request. And just to say that um, it might help you this evening if you've got Bibles... Uh, To have them open, you'll sort of see where I'm I'm getting things from that might help. But in this letter, Paul asked not only that uh, Philemon uh, would have mercy on Onesimus, that would be a, a big enough request, but instead he asked him that he would embrace him as a loving brother, a loved brother. Embrace him as a loved brother, that's the request and it is an astonishingly bold request. Even Paul admits that it's a bold request. The thought of of treating any slave back in those days like a family member would have shocked society. But to do that to a runaway slave? This isn't just sort of going against the grain of culture back then. This is obliterating it. This would have been absolutely unheard of to do something like Paul is asking Philemon to do. So how on earth does Paul try and persuade Philemon to accept his rebel slave as a loved brother? Well, we're going to take a brief look at Paul's main arguments of Persuasion, And I think the more we get into Paul's arguments, the more we'll uh, see how radical the impact of the gospel should be on our lives and in our relationships. So, firstly, Paul says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you. This is verses 8 and 9. It says, Accordingly, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you. Paul's saying, in the, in the light of, of everything that I've said, in, in the light of all that Jesus gives us, in the light of the fact that I know you are a man of faith who loves Jesus, I could command you to do this but I'm going to appeal to you instead. Paul could have pulled rank, as it were, and said, Philemon, you are going to accept Onesimus back into your household. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the England football team played uh, a friendly... uh, I can't even remember who it was against. I didn't actually watch the game. Uh, But I remember uh, that during the game, uh, at some point, there was a penalty... And it should have been the striker on the pitch who took it. But instead, the captain took the ball off him, he pulled rank, and he took the penalty instead. And he missed. And there was a bit of a fury about it afterwards, about should he have taken it. And the manager, Gareth Southgate, was asked afterwards what he thought about the fact that his captain had pulled rank and taken it even though he shouldn't have done. And Gareth Southgate said, well, maybe I need to pull rank and have a word with him. You know the, the manager; he's the he's the, the top dog, as it were. He he can command others what to do. And Paul could have done that. He was the apostle. Uh, Philemon was a Christian because Paul had shared the message with him. He could have ordered Philemon to obey, but instead, he appeals to him. You see, Paul doesn't want Philemon to do this just because he has to. He doesn't want him to do it suddenly. He wants Philemon to do it out of love. And isn't this the same as what God wants? Even in the Old Testament, when God gives the laws for sacrifices, even in the Old Testament, there are times where God says, the sacrifices aren't really what I want. What I really want is your heart. That's what I want. I want you to obey me because you love me and because of who I am, not because it's just rules and you feel like you have to. And Paul also gently reminds Philemon here that he is a prisoner for Jesus. Paul is no hypocrite. He's no hypocrite when it comes to asking other people to do difficult things for Jesus. Paul knew well enough what it was to do difficult things out of love for Jesus. And Paul next says, I'm appealing for him because he is now my child. He is my child. This is verses 10 to 14. This is verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, Anesimus, whose father I became imprisonment, in my imprisonment. It doesn't mean that he was his biological dad. Uh, but he's a spiritual one, because it was through his teaching that uh, Onesimus was born again. And and Paul's uh, love for Onesimus is so strong, he's got such a paternal bond, did you notice what he described uh, Onesimus as in the reading? He, He calls him his very heart, my very heart. There's a strong bond between them. Now the YPs know uh, full well that I quite enjoy a good pun sometimes and I quite enjoy wordplay and some of them um, are looking very sad at this moment in time. Uh, But Paul here uses wordplay uh, because Onesimus means useful. Uh, And Paul's uh, writing to uh, Philemon and he's saying, look, before he was absolutely useless. It was absolutely useless, but now he is actually living up to his name. Now he is actually useful. In fact, he's so useful, I'd love to keep him here, but I know that that's not right. I know that he is your slave. I know that it's right to send him back to you. You know, this is what the, the gospel does. It makes us family together, with strong bonds between us and it transforms us so that we become more and more useful in the kingdom of God. The gospel can transform our lives in a way that nothing else can. Paul's next argument, you have more than before. This is verses 15 and 16. You have more than before. It says, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. As a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul can see that amazing things have happened in the life of Onesimus. And he says, perhaps this is why it has happened. Perhaps this was all part of God's plan. Philemon, you would never have wanted Onesimus to run away especially in the way he did. But look at how God has used it. Look at what God has done. Perhaps this was God's plan all along. You used to have a useless slave. But now, now you've got a beloved brother. You've got more than you have before. I can't help thinking of uh, Joseph at this time. You know when Joseph's packed away and he's sent off to Egypt... And then later, when he's speaking to his brothers, do you remember what he says? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And you sense this here with Philemon, that that God is overriding evil to bring out good. And I hope this is encouraging. For those of you who are, um, or those of you who have family members, or close friends that you really care about who are running away from God. And I know there's there's some of you here. If we were to plan this story, how would we plan it? I imagine that many of us would think, well, where do we want Onesimus? Surely we want Onesimus in the house of Philemon. Philemon is a man of faith. He loves Jesus. He loves the saints. He's got the church in his house. What a wonderful place for Onesimus to learn the gospel, to grow as a Christian. But of course, nothing happens. And Onesimus runs away. But then he bumps into Paul. And that's where he becomes a Christian. And he then understands grace, because of all that's happening in this letter, he then understands grace and forgiveness in a far deeper and a far richer way than he ever could have done if he'd have stayed with Philemon. You know, God's plans are often so much more wonderful and intricate than ours. And I hope that's an encouragement for those of you who are praying for the runaways. And now Paul comes to the pinnacle of his reasonings for why Philemon should accept Onesimus back. And this is in verses 17 to 19. So it says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. So receive him as you would receive me. Receive him as you would receive me, verses 17 to 19. Paul says, imagine it was me coming to stay. Imagine I was the one that brought the letter. I want you to treat him in the same way that you would treat me. Paul would have been an honoured guest if he had turned up. After all, he was like a, a father to Philemon. And Paul was actually hoping to come and visit soon. In verse 22 he says, prepare me a guest room. He is actually hoping. And you can imagine as Philemon starts thinking, oh, I've got to start preparing a guest room. What sort of guest room should we have for Paul? Well, it needs to be special, doesn't it? Paul's coming. And now he's being challenged to accept the rebel slave in the same way that he used to accept Paul. It's hard for us to, to sort of understand the magnitude of what Paul is asking Philemon here, to do here because we don't really understand the strength of feeling about the culture back then and, and the different classes and how different people were to be treated. We're, we're so distant from that. But perhaps just to, to give us just a small idea of what this is like. So imagine uh, that you've invited a good friend to your house. Uh, they're a really good friend. You love being with them. You love being in their company. They do you good. You hope uh, you do them good. And, uh, and, and you want to make a lot of effort to make sure they have a good time. I'm sure we've all been in that, that situation. And then imagine that there's that person that you find a bit difficult. But is that person that has actually hurt you? And, and there's tension between you. Imagine welcoming them to your house in the same way. Do you give them the same enthusiastic welcome at the door? Do you give them the same hug? Do you spend the same amount of time hoovering for them as you would a good friend? And this isn't just about a sort of grin and bear it attitude. A sort of hypocritical attitude that, that we appear friendly and do it because we know we should, but oh, thank goodness when they're gone. No, this is an attitude that is filled with a deep and genuine love. Don't you find this challenging? But what about the costs involved of Onesimus running away, especially if he'd stolen money? But, but either way, there would have been costs involved of Onesimus going away. There's no way Onesimus will be able to afford it. Paul says, if anything is owed, charge it to my account. I will pay. Paul absorbs the, the wrongdoing of Onesimus so that he can reconcile Onesimus and Philemon together. He's absorbing the wrong of Onesimus to reconcile the two together. Doesn't that just burst with gospel? Is that not exactly what Jesus has done for us? Those of us who are Christians, that Jesus has absorbed the wrong that we have done, the cost that we owe, that we could never pay by ourselves. He's absorbed that wrong so that we can be reconciled to God. So that there's no payment to pay. Jesus, he says this to his father. He says, Father, I will absorb all the wrongdoing of them on the cross so that you can receive them as you receive me. So when we get to heaven we are received with a thunderous welcome because God the Father is welcoming us in the same way that he welcomes his beloved son. It's worth thinking about for a moment, isn't it? See, Paul is imitating Jesus here. He's absorbing the costs of someone else for the sake of reconciliation. Many of you remember uh, will remember the time when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Do you remember what, what Jesus says there? This is in John 13. It says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. This is what Paul's doing. He's following Jesus' example. He's putting on Jesus, as it were, and we are called to do the same. We are called to love and to serve with the same love and the same humility that Jesus served and loved us. I I already mentioned a verse uh, that we looked at in our home groups uh, last week, but I didn't finish the verse. It says, Love one another earnestly, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. See, this is what we are to be like As a church and as a a Christian community here, we are to love one another earnestly, understanding that we have been showered with blessings on high from God. And so our hearts should delight in forgiving and blessing others with grace. This is what we're to be like as a Christian community loving each other earnestly, knowing what Jesus has done for us so we delightfully forgive and bless others and those around us. And what does it achieve? If we, Let's imagine we as a church are like this. What does it achieve? Well, I think there are many things that we could say, but I'm going to pick out one. I think one of the biggest things is that it displays to the world that we are followers of Jesus. John 13 verse 35 says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Evangelism it is good in terms of sharing the gospel with people. It's good we should do that. But if we want to share the gospel, one way of doing it is by loving each other as a church by showing the world what Jesus is like. Paul's last argument, he says, I am confident you will obey. This is verse 21, he says, Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Well, if you're a typical 21st century Westerner, like many of us are, you might find as you read that, something in us jars a little bit. It almost feels a little bit awkward. As Paul sort of says, I know you will obey. Many of us kind of, we don't like that, do we? But Paul here is not being manipulative. He's not being difficult. Actually, what he's doing is he's, he's trying to encourage Philemon. He, he's saying, I know that, that you love Jesus so much and you love the saints so much I know that that you've understood just some of the grace that we have from Jesus and I know that you will willingly accept Onesimus back into your home and in fact, I suspect that actually you will do even more than just welcoming him back home as a, a brother. Philemon was a man who understood grace. He understood God's blessings. He loved Jesus. He loved the saints and Paul has confidence that he will willingly do this. We don't actually find out in the letter what happens, but I'm very confident that Philemon accepted him back as a beloved brother. According to church tradition, uh, there was an Anesimus who actually went on to be a church leader and proved incredibly useful for many years. Uh, We don't know uh, for certain that it was this Anesimus Uh, So we have to be a little bit careful. But it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if this was the same Anesimus. You know, he was very useful to Paul. His life had been transformed. He had been shown a a real-life example of grace in action, of what Jesus had done. It's like he'd seen an object lesson of Jesus dying on the cross and taking our sins in front of him. So I imagine he was very useful for the gospel. I'm getting to the end here, but just see how much the gospel impacts this situation. It transforms lives, lives, and it, it flies in the face of our culture and our society today just as much as back then, to be honest. And the more we understand the blessings that Jesus has poured on us, the more it should affect our lives and our relationships with each other. And as it affects us, it may even start to impact the culture around us. Our lives and our relationships, if we get the gospel, our lives and our relationships should be radically different for those around us. So, to finish, let's pray as a church that we will understand more and more of the blessings and the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul prays for Philemon, and it's a great prayer, that we'll understand more and more of the blessings that we have in Jesus. And let's pray that it will impact us as a, a Christian community. It will impact our relationships, our church life. And let's pray, finally that the world will see the love we have here and that they will know it's something special and that they will know that this is Jesus. Well, in a moment, we're going to go outside. Um, The song I've chosen uh, is one that reminds us of of grace, really, and what we were and what God has done for us. As we sing it, just reflect on, uh, if you're a Christian, reflect on the wonder of what's happened for you. And if you're not a Christian, look at the words and think, this could be me. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go outside and sing. Lord God, I pray that as individuals and as a church, Lord, that we would understand more of your grace and the wonder of your love for us. Lord, the vast blessings and treasure that we have in Christ. And Lord, I pray that it would impact our lives and our relationships. Lord, so that we may be different to the world around us. And Lord, I pray that the world around us may then see you because of that. Lord, I pray that we may be Christians who love to forgive, love to bless others, love to be with people however difficult they are, because they are your people. Lord, fill us with love for you and for your people. And Lord, for anyone who has never experienced your love, Lord, I pray that you would shower it upon them even tonight. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.